Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts. First up, keep learning. Like in Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched UBC, so I'm Active, the yes. There was no team. You know, now you're going to have to animate that in post. Wait 15 yeah. years, okay. get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Folks, it's a sleepy December Monday morning. And we're going to do a podcast. No hard out. It's 60 degrees. Jen's out of town. Let's get nuts. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which me and my old buddy Mike discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season seven, episode four. 14, The Making of a Trial Attorney. Now, Mike, if there was going to be an episode about the making of a podcast host, what would it be about, you think? Uh, PJ Pants. Mm-hmm. Um, Getting teased in middle school. Someone with probably a lot of uh, privilege who has a job that doesn't have to be actively jobbing at the time. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, Someone who prefers to be seen from the shoulders up. <laughs> Those or are the not three seen keys. at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. not seen at all, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, fair enough. Very, very uh, tightly cropped videos. Just, yeah. And very important, like very carefully picked camera angles and lighting. You know what yeah, I have to well, say, Keith? I'm, I'm really impressed with, at our advanced age, that you're not showing the... Like you've got a little just like hint of the white in the beard, but I'm going full Santa here these days. Oh, oh no, there's there's more there than it comes up on camera. No, okay. I'm 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 not like you. I didn't go like full white at 19, but uh, but it's it's definitely coming. It's coming around the edge as you can't see with the uh, with the ear holes. But uh, you know, so be it. We have a very exciting episode today. Uh, I didn't know how exciting it was going to be until, oh, yes. It, it, wait, is that your tree tree or your backup tree? Well, we have a, a just a brief segment of uh, we have tried for years cat content. We put, the, oh. Chris, we, we put yeah. the Christmas tree in the living room. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I had some pictures. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. It's our favorite thing to do. It took three hours until the little kitten... Uh, just decided to make a nest inside of the tree. And inside the tree. He got stuck. I had to get him out. And then we thought, oh, he surely he's he's scared straight now. But then he started breaking ornaments, and which a shard of glass went into my foot. And I said, maybe next year. So we moved it into the office here. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah, we we put up ours as well. And thus far, like uh, Charlie had, oh, I should have, I should have loaded the video. Blah blah blah. Next week I'll show you. We have a, we also have a train set that we go around the bottom of the tree, and uh, so cool. we, 
So uh, Charlie found that interesting. He hasn't knocked anything over because we have cat protocol for the tree that I had when I was uh, growing up. So you put the plastic ornaments around the bottom, all the all the stuff that's indestructible, and put the nice stuff up top, and that usually worked uh, for all the various cats. But uh, no, Charlie hasn't really done much with the tree. He sniffs it, you know, he wants to chew on a little bit, uh, which we're paranoid about because we don't want him eating the uh, eating the the, uh, the needles. But uh, anyway, yeah, the thing is with with poor Charlie is, Buddy's got a little cold. Oh no! Which is which is no uh, no fun. He he doesn't have any symptoms other than he's sneezing, which is uh, which is pretty silly. And of course, like we're paranoid, we're looking up online. Oh, is he gonna die? No, he's not gonna die. He's gonna be totally fine. So uh, he's still eating. That's the the key. If your cat, if uh, if he's in distress, it means he's not eating. But Charlie is still eating like a some sort of wild animal. Keith, I'm gonna segue out of this really cute, fun uh, little segment we do about kitty cats. Mm-hmm. In, Are we going to go and dark? Then, yeah, we're going to go dark for just a hot second, if I may. Mm. Um, yes. I just want to take a brief minute, just a second, to our friends and fans and stay pretty vague uh, here. However, two things I want to real quick mention. We have a, a colleague who, uh, a neighbor of, of our, um, uh, the cabin we own upstate, um, we share a parcel of land with a neighbor. And uh, last year when Jen came down with the Delta breakthrough um, and we ca- canned our vacation, you might recall I told the story mm-hmm. on we left. Um, you know, we had a, a, a little jokey joke with our neighbor who was like, oh, you shouldn't leave. It's a hoax. You know, like he he's an older gent. And he didn't want to get the vaccine and all that stuff. And we tried to urge him to do so. Chose not to, and unfortunately this week he passed away of uh, a COVID infection. So um, I want to just take a second to send our love and thoughts out that way and also encourage everybody who maybe is on the fence for whatever your reasoning may be about getting the booster or the vaccine or whatever, like we really need you to do so. So uh, this is Keith and I putting our full support behind that. So I want to send that. Also, we have a family member who got some really terrible news this week. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like a megaton bomb dropped on my family uh, during the Christmas season really sucks. So anyone who can spare some thoughts, I won't say thoughts and prayers. What, however you send energy out in the universe, personally, if you could send some my way, my family's way, um, that would be appreciated. And yeah. uh, now let's be silly because uh, levity is important. Yeah, no, uh, for sure, and that's that. That is heartbreaking news, and uh, you certainly have my thoughts, and uh, I'm sure everyone else here who is listening. Uh, but yeah, okay, so yeah, that's uh, you know, it's tough, but you know what? Real life is real life, and uh, it occasionally Amen. interjects itself into uh, whatever you're doing, and that's okay. That is okay. You want to know what else is okay, Mike? What's that? Uh, hearing from some of our you know what we're gonna get some disappointing news uh in our favorite <laughs> segment filings and subpoenas filings and subpoenas filings and subpoenas filings and subpoenas you know i, I set that up wrong it's there, there's there's some understandable news and some fantastic exciting yeah, this is a fun one things i'm really excited about this uh so mike uh, before we read a letter that we just got. It's not quite a rejection letter, but it's sort of a rejection letter. <laughs> Why don't you tell us how people could send, if you wanted to send us a thanks but no thanks, 
How would they do that, Mike? Not just that, folks. It is the holiday season. And you know what doesn't get sent around enough anymore? Actual hmm. holiday greeting cards. If Would you like to, to talk crap to me and Keith? You can do so. Would you like to just send us a nice holiday card, an e-greeting? An e you can do that. By shooting that our way at outerpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Send a nice mm -hmm. Christmas card to the atheist in your life, Keith Varney. Uh, <laughs> you can also I'll take it. Yeah. You can also hit us up on uh, the very current social medias, uh, the Facebook and the Instagram, meta as they come, at Out of Practice Podcast. Or, hey, your good old moderator, Phoenix Cage, is waiting for your questions, comments, and donations mm -hmm. below here on the YouTubes. You can't even give a dislike anymore, baby. We still see oh, them, no. but you don't see them. No, they took it away. Did uh, they really? So uh -huh. if you want to just uh, express your displeasure in non-emoji form, you can do so mm. by just leaving a comment below. Uh, yeah. We love hearing from you guys. Listen, it's a small community, but it's a community nonetheless. Hit it us is. up. Uh, and uh, that's how you can contact us. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know we lost the dislike feature. I, we get one like once a month, and I'm always so curious. Like, all right, why did we? What did we do to earn a dislike? I can think of a million things that we do every single time to earn a dislike. But about that specific, I'm always very curious. Well, especially uh, seven right. seasons in. Have you watched seven seasons of this and now you're surprised at the quality level? That's a, that shocks me. It, it it really, you know, usually though, it's for it's for Trek toys. Yeah. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I don't know. Anyway, it's interesting. Well, you get a factoid wrong here and there. But guess what, guys? Here uh, and there. If, if you don't want to just show us a visual thumbs down and you want to put it in a long paragraph form, you can do that too. Go to your Ooh. podcast listening service of choice and just rip us a new asshole. We'll be forced to read it on air with a celebratory bumper. How Ooh. funny is that? So uh, go ahead and do so, and uh, we'd be still happy to hear from you. Well, and you know what? I We might even do it in our excited voice. The... Uh... Here it is, our commercial voice. We'll read how terrible we are like this. But all right, so is that your commercial forward, voice? I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'd love to do some voiceover work, but I haven't actually done any effort to not, you know, to actually do it. Uh, all right, so whatever, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, it's Monday morning, okay? It's it early. Is. Neither it one is. of us are fully awake My yet. My wife's out of town, dude. I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself for the next week. We all know. All right, so we got an email. Uh, from our good friend and fellow podcaster Scott Moppin, mm -hmm. who uh, we had brief uh, we had discussed, he has a he has a podcast called The Perfect Show, where he does episodes about little nuggets from his life about that were perfect, whether it's a song or a stretch of road or lots of really interesting things. He does these great, well produced episodes, and uh, he was planning to do one on. Uh, the Joey Herrick episodes of mm -hmm. The Practice. And guess what? We were going to show up. But uh, here's what came in our mail here. It says, hi, guys. Was listening to your newest app and wanted to email you. I tried rewatching the Joey Herrick episodes of The Practice. And they're still fun, but they just don't quite hold up the same. Mm -hmm. I had my own Mike with me who had never seen the show, but we both agreed it didn't quite age gracefully. There's a lot of gay panic stuff going on, and there are also a lot, a, a lot of fat phobia throughout the episodes that aged poorly in particular. 
It was also it also came from the time before Prestige TV, when there had been no Sopranos or Breaking Bad, no Wire or Game of Thrones. The bar was different, and so now watching it after seeing all those, my reaction was, it's fine. It's good and great. Uh, it's good and great in places. It pulls the primal fear trick well a couple of times, but I don't think there's enough there for me to do an episode, not and not just talk about all the stuff that I feel keeps it from being perfect. And uh, yeah, no, I mean I think a lot of what we do here on the show is re-examine how uh, you know the parts that have not aged that well, both from the, the shift in context of prestige, prestige TV, but also, you know, uh, socially and, and our awareness of like, yeah, no, that's no longer appropriate. And it, it wasn't appropriate then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and so you're right. Not all of it has aged well. And certainly the fat phobia and the gay panic. And I, we've, we've talked about it at nauseum on, on various episodes of it, but yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. That uh, all of those are certainly keep it from being perfect. I'll say that. You know what would be an interesting exploration, uh, one that we won't take a lot of time talking about, but just it just pumped jumped in my head when Scott was writing there. You know, clearly we've seen this week that legally our social justice uh, legally um, really pendulums quite a bit. As much progress as we think we make, we then swing back the other way in due time mm-hmm. and. So the march of progress is slow as balls, and that's frustrating. Mm -hmm. However, it would be interesting to juxtapose that with an exploration of how these social issues and how our vernacular and our approach to depicting a lot of these social issues, and I don't even mean big social issues, I'm I'm talking about, well, yes, I guess big to various, depending on which we're talking about, but like the gay panic, as Scott mentioned there, and the fat phobia, uh, the, the... and the, the ableism we see often about pe- the depiction of, of people with Ill, uh, mental handicap or, uh, or physical limitation, uh, the way that's portrayed in art and in television, and has, does that waffle back and forth, or is it a steady march? You know, I'm, I'm, mm. I'd be curious to, to, curious to check that out. Yeah, interesting. But... And there is a big butt here on this email, and here's where it's gonna get fun. Hold on, and but a parenthetical, a parenthetical. Mm. Okay, uh, Scott, you know you could. I still think you could frame these episodes or this arc as the perfect guest star, the guest spot for an actor. Like maybe the episodes don't, and you're right, the episodes don't hold up as well. But I don't know that there's a more fun, more scene chewy guest starring uh if you limited the scope perhaps you could still uh you could still fit it fit it in there you could although <laughs> most the, most of the gay panic and fat phobia comes out of his mouth yeah, so <laughs> yeah that's true i think but he is a lunatic uh, i mean he is a, a sociopath so look nice nice try mike we're not perfect enough <laughs> to be on the the perfect show, but, but we've you know, got sweats on, Scott. Maybe we'll find something. Sweats. We'll find we'll find something perfect that we can be on. <laughs> All right, but you know what is perfect? So he continues. But I did have a gag I was prepping for when we talked. I was even going to surprise you and ask. Everyone knows that the worst part, of, what the worst part of the practice is. Why don't we just all say it in three, two, one? Then I don't know what you'd say, but I'd have said the theme song. 
It's mm-hmm. a classic 90s situation of street sound effects plus beeps and boops. And of course, <laughs> laser sounds equals music. And I was preparing to have you all help me listen to three remixes of it and I uh, that I had done on Fiverr to help judge the best one to replace it, having listened to now seven seasons worth of you feel like it's the closest... <laughs> Seasons worth, you feel like the closest thing to experts I can think of. Oh, that's sad. I can't even say the sentence. So, but so, not, even so though, he didn't sit down on Logic Pro or the or the like Audacity and remix it himself. He spent cold hard cash to hire professionals. To, these are commissioned works. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, he says, but even though I'm not going to do an episode on the practice, doesn't mean these remixes should go to waste, though. I mean, I did pay for them, exactly. So I'm attaching them to this, and feel free to listen to and use them, or not use them as you like. Yeah, you know we're going to use them. Oh, hell uh, yeah, we are. But I thought you'd appreciate them more than just about anyone else. So, Mike, are you ready Oh, okay. for three I... remixes of the practice theme? Now, Keith, in, in a stunning turn of, stunning turn of preparation, mm-hmm. I've listened to these, and I have already chosen my favorite. So I'm oh. excited to see what you think and see if we land on if, because if we can unanimously name a favorite, mm. then we have to really we might have to to commission it into the show somewhere. Okay, yeah. Well, I have not heard these, so okay. uh, here we go. Here is number one. Let's credit uh, the let's credit the artists here. Uh, okay, this one is J Davalos three. So Mike, you know, here's what I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need you to give me the the tag for the teaser, and then and then I'll 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 play the theme song. This week on the practice. No 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 uh, the, the the final line of the scene of of the teaser. Still oh, um, don't say anything. Okay, here we go. The crowd got bigger. Very contemporary. Don't know if it fits the oh shit. Hold on, beat drop. Put the beat drop. Yes. Okay. okay. All right, Jay Davos. Wow. Davos. Whew. All right. So we're definitely at the club for that one. Yeah, I don't know that that fits, you know, thematically in any way, shape, or form of the show, but you know, cool. I mean, yeah. That's Beeps and uh, boops all right. galore. Beeps and boops galore. Okay, well, you know, that's uh, that's the club remix. I like it. So coming up next, this is Artist The's rendition of the Practice theme song Slap House Remix version 1. Mike, uh, get, 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 us, uh, get, get us out of our teaser. Uh, I, I, I'm looking for Bobby Donnell. Can I, tell him, can I tell him who's asking for him? Just tell him it's an old friend. Okay, we're a little sped up, but basically the original version. Yes! 
Got the door slams. Yes, like that. Add a little do, bit of I bass do sense there. there's a melody here. It definitely okay. made it more of a musical composition. Okay. Right. There's definitely more music there. It's it definitely feels more traditional, more like a traditional like actual remix. Uh, I like it. I like okay. it. I feel like that like that could be that could be usable. Uh, in in its original context, like a little, you know, I don't know what the graphics would be like a little little more peppy. It's not it's not quite like TGIF peppy, but like it's a little peppier, a little happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, great. Now let's come up with number three. Micah, take us take us away. Uh, hey, has anyone seen Rebecca? Ooh, it's perfect. It's mysterious. Now it's like the X-Files. Did Rebecca get murdered? Ooh, it's like Stranger Things. It's like somebody's playing it on their iPad at the bottom of a steel trash can. Yeah, this feels... Like this definitely feels where like like way mystery. This is like uh, every episode's a mystery. Yeah, yeah, that's like the prestige version. Yeah, that's where nuts. it's like uh, yeah, there's lots of like slow scenes and like desaturated. Okay, hey, well, all right, folks. Yeah, we have to we have to declare a winner. Well, listen, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate one right now. Okay. Well, you know I shouldn't do that. I should let you, I've already pieced together my opinion. So let's let's hear yours. Let's hear yours in real time. That was uh, Shazadin uh, <laughs> version. Yes, the you know the titular Fiverr remixer. I feel like I did pretty good with that. Uh, all right, so here's. I think the uh, the second one, I liked it, but I think it was too close to the original. Yeah, it just felt that a little we're gonna, t- just sped up. If if we're gonna, you know, I, I really liked adding the bass, mm-hmm. and I and I liked the sort of uh, you know boom clap of it all, and I and there was a good dropout and, and and cut back in. That was great. So like I I liked it. I just thought if we're gonna if we're gonna remix, we got a remix. Right. Um. So. Uh, the club version, I really liked. I feel like, you know, remember with Baywatch, they yes. did a, uh, a Baywatch Midnight or After Dark, forget, forget exactly what it was, but it was David Hasselhoff now, like, solving crimes at, at midnight. Like, he had a uh, night job solving crimes, and, like, is there that, was... Is there, that the actual plot of that? Yes! Legitimately, oh, there was a Baywatch spinoff where Hasselhoff solved crimes. As Why like are a, we not doing like a, a podcast about that? Really, really good question. I think the, like there were like aliens and stuff. It was holy crazy shit. We have to have a conversation about that. That happened in the same world. I, I, I for Baywatch Nights. Maybe I don't know. Uh, anyway, that feels like if they did a the practice nights, where uh, like I don't know, like 
Eugene was a bouncer at a club or something, or they were solving murders. I, I don't know. That sounds good. I think the third one's my favorite and feels most like if they were going to reboot the practice, right? As a prestige, like long form series, probably like a limited series. It'd be like eight episodes. It'd all be about one case, but it like unfolded. I th feel like that's the thing that I would use. Mike, your turn. So I, I, on the re-listening here, I did I did find that. The thing is, is that my my issue though is much like your first issue, it 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 references the theme song, but like if you had played that to me without the context, I don't know that I would have placed it. Something about the rave version is very contemporary, is very up to date, mm -hmm. is very like if we like did a practice today, it might be like a young up and coming lawyers. And they're like but think about Bobby Donald, young new Bobby Donald, played by like uh, Timothee Chalamet. <laughs> and, uh, All right, keep making the pitch. He's coming back from the. It opens with him like grinding up on some like hot Black Widow girls at the club, right? Uh huh. And now he's yeah. tired. He like rolls back to the office, right? He's got like his shirts unbuttoned. He's got his jacket. He walks into his his like swanky office that's just like pizza boxes everywhere. A spare mm -hmm. tire in the corner from a Tesla yeah. passes uh -huh. out on the couch, and that's the opening. Okay. All right. Well, we know what you're watching tonight. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, it's Scott. okay. So we got Timothee Chalamet, and let's see who's going to be the Eugene. Let's go with. Um, oh man, how about? Uh, I gotta think on it some more. I gotta think yes, about the casting well, some more. All right, all right. Well, unfortunately, folks, I'm sure Vanessa Hudgens will make her way into the cast somewhere because that she uh, everywhere I'm, now. I'm fine with that. <laughs> all right, so if uh, folks, if you would like to make your own remixes or would like to uh, hop in and do a pitch on any of these, we would love to hear from you, Scott. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I, I completely and profoundly understand why uh, you decided not to do an episode on that. But my God, what an awesome thing that you have done with these remixes. Thank you. That's fantastic. And uh, I'm going to listen to those later again. That was really fun. All right. Let us now. Uh, oh, God. We still, you know what? I think just for the sake of sakes, because we're already 27 minutes in, we are going to punt Lacey Peterson again, uh, just for the sake of sakes. Luckily, uh, I really want to talk about it, and I'm really excited to talk about it, but uh, the case went on for like two years, so we still have some time to technically work it in. Um, I'm excited to talk about it, actually, Yeah. Uh, be, two, but two points I'll bring up as a, a, a further tease. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, one... I would say that it has piqued my curiosity quite a bit, and it does appear as though he's going to get a new trial, so mm -hmm. we'll get to relitigate these things in real time. Well, I mean, yeah, true. Uh, though I will say, uh, and it was an A&E thing, I think it was... Mm -hmm. uh, this could have been a 90-minute doc. I don't know that we needed a six-hour. It's it's not the strongest, most cohesive uh piece of documentary filmmaking but <clears throat> uh a lot of retread ground over and over again and just just i would say too much nancy grace as with the first case uh i, I just am sick of looking at her face and hearing is her shrill any 
I, I think there's a pretty good case that any Nancy Grace is too is much too Nancy mu Grace. <laughs> but yeah. she's an important part of the context of what happened. Yeah, she she sort of is a stand-in for, <laughs> even to this very day, the current uh, the way the media covers this type of trial. She is inescapable and inexhaustible. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna come back to that. Uh, but instead, I just I just made a decision on the fly, a unilateral decision. Editorial decision. There it <clears> is <throat> for us to hop back now into the time machine and talk about when this episode aired. And of course, it aired on March third, two thousand and three. Uh, Mike, hey, what happened? This day in the basement. I'm glad you asked, Keith. Uh, it was. I wish I had any sort of documentation or media of what I'm about to talk about. I do not. Uh, so we just have my holy memory. So uh, I was still at the AMDA here, back going back in time in March 3rd. Uh, mm -hmm. I wouldn't graduate, turns out, for another three months. So uh, Mike was pretty wrong. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Uh, but in my last semester, right before the showcase rehearsals had begun, uh, we were I was working with uh, an accompanist for my musical theater, my main musical theater class, whose name uh, is Gary Adler. Now, for those not in the oh. theater, yeah, you might know Gary from, uh, he wrote the Alter Boys show, which is very uh, popular, and also Avenue Q. And uh, he would always refer to it as this puppet show I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was cool was it for each like semester uh, class thing, we would uh, everything was like self-contained in classes, but we'd all get together. And as I think I've mentioned before, like individual scenes that people were working on would get selected for like the main presentation for the whole school. And also every class would perform like an opening number, like a full ensemble number. And so, like, we had done the opening to 110 in the Shade the semester before, and we'd done some other... Some people did the opening to Ragtime, which is pretty cool. This semester, what we did, we got to work on the opening of Avenue Q, um, which was a show oh, nobody had fun. seen, nobody had heard of. It hadn't even workshopped yet. I think it opened in previews at like in, like, September of 2003. So this was... he was They were still kind of, like, putting it together for its off-Broadway debut. Oh, that's fun. You got to do it before it got done. Yeah. And uh, I got to sing the Nikki track, which is one of the the, of the Ernie uh, stand-in. Uh, it was hey, awesome. Man. Yeah, uh, I was on Avenue Q. Uh, uh, he's the "If You Were Gay" uh, song, if if you know the show at all. Anyway, it was it was awesome, and you know we had I we had also got to work on later in that semester. Um, Jesus called me on my cell phone, which was an uh, an altar boys joint. Altar boys. So it was right. cool, and and it was you know. Uh, I would go on to get this, especially, you know, coming pals with you. And you just realize that, you know, everyone in the theater who would become successful or maybe not is working seven jobs and is accompanying yeah. at a school somewhere and is always working on something and uh, is pretty self-deprecatory about their work. Uh, I never would have known that when he was like, oh, I'm just like, you know, just like, well, just working on a, hey, Gary, how's it going? Just, you know, working on the puppet show, just like trying to figure it out. That's uh, that's pretty much the mo. So, uh, that was a cool a cool time. Keith, talk to me yeah. about what you were doing this day in the basement. Yes, indeed. Well, luckily, I have a great deal of documentation, and this was actually a pretty uh, pretty big weekend for me. Uh, first off, in the time that we 
uh, the break between episodes, there was a giant snowstorm in New York City. They got 18 inches, which for Vermont is like Tuesday, but in New York is a really big freaking deal. Shut down the whole city. Uh, it was very cold in Vermont. At this point, you know, uh, we're in the run-up to the Iraq War, and my parents were protesting the war in Burlington. It was two degrees, uh, and that was the warmest part of the day as they protested. Um, but also, my parents came down to visit the weekend that this show aired. Um, and uh, it coincided with my younger brother, Scott's. He was playing for the Connecticut Wolves, a junior A hockey team at that point. So we he was playing, I think, close to us. So we went to the game, and then we came back and visited me in Brooklyn. We went to the aquarium and uh, did a lots of fun stuff. We also went bowling. And so uh, you can see here... There is me bowling, uh, yeah, wearing my old, uh, my old Eastman t-shirt. That is the only piece of, uh, school paraphernalia that I ever <laughs> owned that it was given to me for free on like seniors week. And, uh, so that is, uh, no longer with us. I don't think mercifully, neither are those mom jeans that I was <laughs> rocking. Woo! So the other, uh, interesting thing that happened that I didn't understand what had happened then, but now I do. Was? What had happened was, uh, on my parents' drive home, all of a sudden, the uh, the wheels started to shudder, and my father thought the lug nuts had died, and they had it got bad enough they had to stop and go to the can or the they were it was a Toyota, one of the dealership, and got them to look at it, and. What happened was all of the lug nuts on one of their tires had been loosened. And the wheel was literally about to shake its way off. They thought there was a big problem, but it, they had all just been loosened. And they tied it up and it was fine. And they were trying to figure out what in God's name would have caused somebody to intentionally unscrew all of the lug nuts on one of the tires. And we were so baffled. You know, it was in Brooklyn and Coney Island where the aquarium was. Uh, now, you and I, both of us, should now understand what happened. Yeah, somebody was trying to rip it off. Somebody was trying to steal their wheels, which both of us dealt with at Queens at various points. Mm -hmm. uh, they, uh, people will just steal your wheels. Which... Yeah, I got jacked up on, uh, sometimes they're nice enough to put you on jacks, and sometimes they throw you up on cinder blocks, which is what happened to me. And there I came out in the morning, and my car was just balanced on two cinder blocks, and all my wheels were gone. Well, at least they balanced it on cinder blocks. They were kind yeah. enough to do that and not just dump it back on the ground. Yeah, I, yeah. They uh, same thing for us. We only lost two of the tires, two of the four. Uh, but they. Uh, my understanding is that, especially because we both had small cars, that mm -hmm. the smaller wheels they use for like street racing stuff because it gets the car a little lower uh, is my understanding on that. So I think that's what happened, but it was a mystery to uh, us Vermonters for a long time as to why on earth that had happened. I should probably tell my folks that that's uh, what happened. We didn't yeah, know that. Wheel locks, baby. Wheel locks. They, they're not uh, foolproof, but they are preventative. I will say every time I change a tire or I change a I put on the spare... <clears throat> I think to myself, here we are driving around at incredible speeds, and the only thing holding these MFers onto this car are these four lug nuts, and like mm -hmm. me twisting this little iron. Like I know it's crazy. I mean, I guess fifteen thousand pounds too, but you know. Yeah. No. Well, hey, look, I have been driving at fifty miles an hour and having had had one of the wheels come off. You ha that's uh, happened to you? 
Yes, it has. In Holy a Ford hell. Bronco, an 85, like giant 85 Ford Bronco going 50 miles an hour down the road. I was uh, just looking at, I was driving with my father, just going to the hardware store and we're driving like, huh, there's a wheel rolling down through this guy's yard. Like, I hope that doesn't hit anybody. And then we're like, oh shit, that's our wheel. That's insane. Our, man. our left front wheel just came off and just flew. Like it just clearly came off so smoothly that it kept booking down the road uh on that and i had to like now what do i do so i you know i was able to like navigate the car pull it into the into the side and nothing mercifully nothing happened it was really not that big of a deal but that was a, a little startling so yeah that's scary to even listen to tighten your lug nuts kids and of course it was 50 miles an hour on a two-way road like this this wasn't like a highway like there was opposite traffic going anyway blah 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 so, uh, all right, let us move forward because apparently we would like to have a four hour podcast today and talk about as soon as I can find it. It's time for the out of practice podcasts. This day in the world, the greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, folks, again, we're talking about March 3rd, 2003. The top song continued to be All I Have with uh, Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J. The top movie was Cradle to the Grave, which took in $16 million. It was a Jet Li and DMX movie. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen it, but it looks exciting. Sure. The cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about a terror suspect being grilled, uh, which was very much a part of the time. Constantly, we were disappearing people, torturing people, and uh, just generally acting monstrously. But don't worry, in about a, about a week, we're going to bomb a country that didn't do anything to us. So, fun. Uh, 2003. What a year. But, uh, you want to know what's more important than all of that, Mike? What's that? What, what do you think? What do you think it might be? It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Despite Glenn Murray's two goals, the Bruins dropped a game to the Vancouver Canucks, six to four, in the Fleet Center. But don't despair. They rallied back the next night in Carolina to beat the Hurricanes four to two. Meanwhile, the Flyers dumped those same Canucks three to nothing in Philly. Guess you were really wondering about 2003 hockey. I've got your back. Uh, yeah, well, all right. Well, you want to know what uh, what everybody's waiting for, Mike? What's that? Here it is. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Oh. Okay, kids, mercifully, we are now talking about The Practice Season 7, Episode 14, The Makings of a Trial Attorney. And this episode was written by David E. Kelly and Jonathan Shapiro, who last wrote on The Good Fight. It was directed by Arvin Brown, who last directed Vanished, Part 1. And uh, it is time to give the salute. This is Arvin Brown's final of nine episodes directed on The Practice. Thank you for your time. It is now time for a very important 
segment that we call I found it. I found it. What is that supposed to be? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? You know, Keith, last week I, I gave the show too much credit. I, I thought mm. it was going to be a really intricate, well-crafted narrative, and I predicted such in the opening. And this week I'm not going to make such a mistake, all right? Uh, you know, we should get the salutes back up, Keith. I know you were trying to keep it from spoilers, but this will be the last performance from uh, everybody's favorite, Jamie Stringer, because... Uh, the uh, we you, you might you might think that the implication here is that they she learns to be she gets her first trial here, but instead they are clearly uh, trying to dig up some. Uh, they have a client who is accused of murder, mm-hmm. uh, and he's uh, <clears throat> he's a soccer player. And, okay. Uh, the our 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 firm thinks that there is a one of the other players on the team. Okay is actually the culprit. And so what they ask is for Jamie to go undercover as a soccer coach. <laughs> and they ask her to be super sexy. They have her like bump uh-huh. up her cleavage and like blow mm-hmm. the whistle mm-hmm. and like really hit on this guy. And by the blow end the of whistle. it- Blow the whistle? Yeah. Now, now, folks, if you would like to seduce Mike and Daglio, come in and blow a whistle at him? Keith, you know how you blow a whistle. You just put your two little lips together and blow. Anyway. Out of context, folks, out of context theater, we're going to be saving that clip. <laughs> no, it's, come on, that's, isn't that like a famous uh, Marilyn Monroe thing? Oh, Don't you know how to whistle? Guess... Just put your, anyway, long story oh, yeah. short, right. she's got to be Anyone can whistle. And you know what? She's like, you know what? I'm not, I didn't put up with this from that judge, and I'm not going to put up with from you MFers, and I'm out of here. And Jamie goes, and that's, uh, that's that. Wow. So, so, Jay- and, uh, so this is, Jamie's quitting the show is what you're saying? Yeah, but you know what, Keith? The good news is that you know what the firm loves? Mm. Hiring another attractive young woman. Wow. So next week we'll Folks. have yet another one. So there you wow. go. Wow. So Mike is firing Jamie Stringer on this episode. She's not wow. firing. She just Very quits. Bold. She's like, I'm out. Maybe she, you know what? She goes and works. Lindsay's hiring. Mm-hmm. So maybe she goes and works for Lindsay. I just have to point out, put, put the graphic back up on the screen there. But, uh, I just like to talk about complexion because <laughs> you've got the, you get a beautiful shade of orange on uh-huh. your little picture there. I think you need to get into the booth. And you know, what's funny is that that is that raw image is not that shade. And, and you'll, if you go back into the YouTubes, you'll realize that it's always been my natural shade, but then something happened on a, on an OBS update that has F to that picture. And, uh, I just decided <laughs> I'm a shady guy. I might as well have a shady just, look. Just roll with it. All yeah. right. Well, if you would like to listen to this, these two pasty but shady on the inside, guys, yeah, we've been talk doing the about... show for so long. I don't even hmm. remember what the pirate uh, inside joke is anymore. Do oh, that. I, I think you and I think you uh, once guessed that there might be pirates involved. I, I think that's what happened. But you know, it's been a long, been a long time. <laughs> All right, folks, if you would like to listen to us talk about The Practice, Season 7, Episode 14, hop over to your podcasting service of choice, which you're already on because nobody watched the video, uh, and we will see you back for the oopsies. Are we that hideous? The Practice, illicitly obtained.
Season 7, Episode 14, The Making of a Trial. Damn, Marshall. He looks like a great kid. Yeah, well, I wouldn't know. You know, he was three months hey, old when there. I got my term. Hey, my wife remarried, and he was raised by... He thinks of his stepdad as his father. Oh. No, hey, I mean, I, I owe the guy, really. You know, he, he's been a pretty good dad. Hey. So Bobby enters. Lindsay was clearly just, uh, or, uh, They're Lucy willing to was move for a finding of your legal stalling. innocence. That's it. No money. No. Fifteen years for a murder I didn't do, they offer nothing. They don't feel they were negligent. Plus, the state doesn't like to admit mistakes. Goes to a fear of getting sued. Why haven't they moved for a legal finding on their own long before now? As I said, they don't like to formally acknowledge mistakes. So if we continue on, can we win? Honestly, I don't know. They'll claim, given all the evidence, your arrest was reasonable. After that, it was a jury that convicted you. We obviously can't sue them. We won't win. I don't think so. Bobby, I know that you took this on a contingency. And 33% of nothing isn't much. But given that I did 15 years... I would like to at least give them three days of hell. All right. The guy who was wrongfully convicted and now wants to go after the people who put him in jail. And give him three days of hell, Bobby. That sounds just right up your alley. Yes. Okay. So this guy was clearly wrongfully convicted, thrown in jail for 15 years, and is now going with a lawsuit. And it's played by Carlton Wilborn who you might know from L.A. Firefighters, Fame L.A., and Demolition Man, but he is actually a remarkably accomplished dancer in a great many uh, music videos, including Madonna's Vogue and uh, a whole mess of other uh, dancing things. So he's a uh, he, he danced for Michael Jackson. Like, there's a lot going on. Dude a can dance. A whole mess of other dancing things. Yeah. You know, uh, that's because uh, I know a lot about dance. I also know. think that that is one of the best pre-credit uh, bunch of exposition scenes we've had. I mean, that was that felt pretty grounded, and 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 knows I know exactly what we're in for, and uh, fits into the uh, teaser for the the Peterson thing. Yeah, uh, there it is. Assuming he's wrongfully convicted, which is not by any stretch of the imagination uh, an open and shut idea. Fair enough. A summons. I need you to testify. Why? Because you were the DA who prosecuted him, Ken. It was one of our first trials when our relationship was formed, remember? Mitchovich You're blaming back. me? I'm certainly not blaming. I'm just exploring how an innocent man ended up serving 15 years. Look, I've spent a lot of money in therapy, you piece of crap, and I'm trying now to be nice. I've held out an olive branch to your crap. firm. If you intend to trash me with that isn't the case. I just want your take. My take. You come after me, I'll fillet you, Bobby. Right Ooh. in the courtroom for the jury to see. I can see those things. Put your lips together work. and blow. Don't do this. That's a warning. You have your summons. I'll see you in court. It's nice to see rational, calm Bobby. So far. 
Yeah. All right. Now, everybody, put their cans on. We need to listen to the theme song because this is the this is the original mix. Why don't you uh, roll that other theme song? We'll just uh, fade it back in afterwards. Well, I would, but there's something to pay attention to. Oh. Okay. So, Mike, so I need you to playing. pay attention to the credits here because something has changed. There's a reason that. Oh, look! Who was that? Oh, hey! Kyler Lee has now joined the credits. Guess what, She's folks? the one that Lindsay hired on a like a, a pity contingency. Uh, That's last week. right. Last week. So uh, our firm keeps getting bigger. Uh, we haven't seen half of the firm in about eight weeks, but we keep hiring new people. I don't remember seeing Helen recently either. Here she is. Welcome. Everything okay? She's the puker, right? No. The puker. You argue. What? I'm over my head. I'm going up against John Wicker from Goodman. You believe that? They've got Wicker. John Wick? Wow, that's exciting. You said you were ready. Keith, I have to tell you, this reminds me, This I, I'd like to welcome her. What's, what's the actress's name again? Kyler Lee. I'd like to welcome her to, uh, uh, real quickly, I'll say that there used to be uh, a wrestler. Uh, you know, in wrestling, Keith, they, they throw mm. different gimmicks or different sort of storylines and characters at these at, at these wrestlers who aren't always great actors and just tell them to go with something. And sometimes they can't find yes. a niche. And there used to be this guy named Draws. And Vince McMahon was trying, to find a, was trying to find a place for him in the... In the in in the like his for his character they had to give and, him a gimmick. Yeah, he's like, hey, is there any? Do you have any like special skills? And and this 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 happened. Well, I've got one thing I want you to do for me, okay? And that's gonna be right back over here. Turns out he could throw up on command. Hmm? Much like our new actors. Okay, I guess you want, me you want a little coffee up? or what? Huh? Oh, huh? I think I'll be good. Need some more? Huh? <laughs> Try not to get it on the rust of my table here. I won't huh? Do that. Can you do that? Huh? You gonna get sick? Huh? Oh. huh? oh my God! He's, he's gonna! He's gonna! He's gonna! He's coming at you! He's gonna puke! He's gonna puke! He's gonna! Yeah, he's gonna puke! Oh man! Okay, yeah, and that—that that is, of course, Vince McMahon well, in the documentary it, Beyond the Mat. Suing the town for having a soccer program. Behind the Mat. Add to that, I've been to court twice yes. in my Beyond entire life. The Add to that, they've Beyond got the wicker. Add to that, are you? Okay. Sad ending puke. for that wrestler, He's too. He's got a puke! He's got a puke! He's... <laughs> Lindsay, sometimes... Get used to that, folks. <laughs> I sort of freeze. What do you mean? When I get nervous or... Former prof professional football player. I'll be fine. Kind of I'll be fine. The victim was a 70-year-old retired school teacher. Robbed beaten to death with a wrench. This is I was Vic lead detective on the case. Palizos and detective, what led you to conclude that Lewis Nyler was the killer? Two eyewitnesses gave a description matching his. One picked him out of a lineup. He had no alibi. His wrench was the murder weapon. And he confessed. He initially maintained his innocence. They all do. But this one was innocent. At what point during your interrogation did my client confess? Approximately 28 hours. He was in that room for 28 straight hours. Yes. 
You basically wore him down. The confession was voluntary. Detective, a month after my client was convicted, another man confessed to the killing. Isn't that right? A man by the name of Mark Carter? Unfortunately, we didn't think that confession was credible. I thought he was trying to make a deal on a different murder he'd been charged with. And last year, 15 years later, you finally did a DNA analysis on the wrench, didn't you? Yes. And what did that analysis tell you? It was Colonel Plum. That Mark in the Carter library. was indeed the killer. We apologize. Can't you make a call and tell him he's I'm gonna, not dead or something? He's, he's cracked down on jury duty now. It's That's not, not so easy to get out of. Well, what about something medical? Well, what have you got? You know, the I think the takeaway, everybody, is that they did apologize. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, that that, that seems good enough for 15 years plus a Brendan Dassey uh, interrogation where they yeah, but, locked him in a room for 28 hours. For, you know what? Let's hold on. Let's let's reserve our indignation here. I mean, that's free food for 15 years. No rent for 15 years, Keith. I mean, really, he owes them. Yeah, I mean, you. you know, his child was raised by another man, but you know, whatever. Yeah, well, that saves on saves on uh, childcare. Come on, hemorrhoids. Silver well, linings. Does that people. work? Because I can get one. What hemorrhoids? Hello. Why does I'm Lucy not Lindsay want Dole. to be have jury duty? No, she actually doesn't work here anymore. But her office is Yes, right. I, I know. I work with her temporarily. My name's Claire Wyatt. More about that later. Do you know where she is? No. You Have might you be tried confusing me for Jamie Stringer since right. we're playing basically the same character. Thank you. But um, see you later. That's right. Mike's firing Jamie this week, so. Oh, Lindsay. They want to meet. Who? The defendant. The town of Lexington. They want to meet. They must have an offer. Let's not jump to conclusions. Why else would they want a conference to discuss spring fashions? They even agreed to come here. They must have an offer. Okay. Well, if they want to discuss settlement, it's best not to appear over-anxious. Right. And I'm sure it goes without saying, try not to freeze or vomit. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's coming at you! <laughs> that was hurtful. I have that never kind of knowingly prosecuted an innocent man. But you knew about another man who confessed to being the killer, a man by the name of Mark Carter. I heard that allegation soon after the trial, but I didn't believe it. Did you interview Mr. Carter? As I said, I didn't believe him to be telling the truth. Did you interview him? The prosecutor doesn't beat the bushes for new witnesses, counsel. I rely on the police for that. They said this Mr. Carter was a liar. And that's what you told the parole board six years ago when you urged them to deny Lewis Nyler's parole. Yes. But once the Innocence Project did the DNA test, we did vacate his conviction, which I, of course, fully supported. After he served 15 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Hey, I wish we had money to Ask spot check every answer. conviction to make sure this never happens again. We don't. How about just interviewing the people who confessed to the crime? Stop it. Did you Stop interview it. him? I didn't know about him. Why not? Did you follow up on the case counsel or did you just move on once your client got convicted? Move to strike. You're the defense attorney and you're coming after me, the prosecutor, for not being zealous enough in securing your client's freedom. Am I the only one who thinks that's funny? All right, Mr. Walsh. Your Honor, I'd just like to say, as the DA who prosecuted this man, I have a heavy heart. I don't deny it. But what about his heart? Move to strike. 
Keith, for your viewing pleasure, you'll see, uh, oh, okay, the cat has, one cat is shut down uh, my screen, so I'm I'm stalling as I fix that. And the other cat you might see behind <laughs> me is eating the tree and about to electro electrocute the whole place. Great, so, oh. great, yes. Well, uh, things are going well. Where was he to request the DNA season for test? People with cats. But for the Project Innocence, his client would still be locked up. Move to strike. All right, let's just move on. Old B what do you mean, no studies? I can't find any. In fact, Jamie. the Department of Justice doesn't even track the statistic of how many people. Too bad are you're getting fired convicted. today. That's impossible. Bobby, next to look. So is Li so what? So I'm what I'm gathering from the title is that Lindsay's assistant slash co colleague, who she hired last week, gets her first trial this week. Whereas Jamie, who's been on the show for a month now, uh, has yet to have her own case, really, like, without being sexually. Um, Without, without, without being sexually harassed by a judge, harassed, that's yeah. right. I pride myself on my research. Rebecca, can you help Jamie out, please? Wait, wait, back that up. This is a line I wrote down. No I can't studies. believe. I can't find any. In fact, the Department of Justice doesn't even track the statistic of how many people are falsely Listen convicted. Listen to this, Mike. That's impossible. Bobby, next to looks, I pride myself on my research. Rebecca, can you help Jamie out, please? Next to looks... I pride myself on my research. Was the line given to this actress? He's coming to puke. He's got a puke. He's got a puke. Good lord. They documented some cases, but there was nothing to overwhelm. Yo, she read that in the read room. Was like, let's face it. This case is a dog. I realize that, Eugene, but the client wants to try it. I forget who said it, but somebody here recently kind of screamed at us to make the client see reason. Rebecca, I was the lawyer who lost this one. I had an innocent man go to prison on me. If he wants me to do cartwheels for him now, then that's what I'll do. And how do you decide if he should be released? There are a number of factors. Is he still a danger to the community? Has he been okay, himself folks. in prison? Okay, folks. He's got it. He's got it. And you decided that Mr. Nyler was not a good... Okay, so we have uh, two people in this scene. We have the lawyer here who is an assistant uh, AG played by none other than Dennis Arndt, who, uh, guess what? This is not, you know what? I'm going to save that. So Dennis Arndt is playing the lawyer. We're going to get back to him. The person on the stand is played by Juanita Jennings as Marsha Jodges, who is, I think is, this is an interesting scene here, but guess what? You might like, hey, she seems pretty familiar. Juanita, she is. That, that name sounds familiar. Yes, because she played Claire Stevens in the episode Till Death Do Us Part. Yes! We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals. Arriving at your door. Yeah, so yeah. welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. I just think first you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, man. You just might be welcome back to the practice tonight. Can't 
and no, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. So uh, the lawyer answering or asking her questions is played by Dennis Arndt, who, uh, you know what? We might have played this bumper before for because this is his third character on the show. He has played prominent lawyers twice before, both of whom named differently, and he's going to play the character from before again later, but for reasons, this is his third third version his third lawyer he's played on the show we're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before but after a super bowl guest star you've come charging back for more We gotta take this shit on the road, buddy. Very nice guy. Welcome back to the Wow, you are all welcome for that Christmas treat. <laughs> yes, indeed. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's coming at you! Terrible, Ken. Why? His attitude towards us was angry. He wouldn't take responsibility for the situation. Hey, if you got fly like an eagle for a whole week, I'm and getting, he didn't he's give us the puke. confidence we needed to risk letting him back out on the street. The police and the prosecutors opposed release, as well as the victim's family. This was not a hard call. My client was a model prisoner. No disciplinary problems, correct? Yes. The only reason you wouldn't grant him parole is because he refused to say he was the killer. He showed a profound lack of remorse and wouldn't accept responsibility for what was a heinous crime. Well, that's understandable. I mean, isn't it? He was innocent. As it turned out, certainly we didn't know that. But you had knowledge that another man confessed. We had no knowledge that the confession was truthful. Nor did we and have you the... couldn't be bothered to find out. Mr. Donald, the parole board does not exist to investigate. We assume guilt going in. We have to. Otherwise... We... You denied my client parole because he told the truth. An innocent man served extra time in jail simply because he maintained his innocence. In this case, as it worked out, yes. And that's regrettable. Regrettable? Don't you think it's perverse? He served extra time for being truthful mistakes were made in this case but none of them were ours we did our job as the law required as the law required you know how many times i've settled a marital argument saying that mistakes were made but i did <laughs> my job as the law requires mm -hmm. i mean it, I, I think it should be underlined here that the what the information that we're getting is that uh when you're on the parole board in order to be paroled, you have to admit that you did the crime, which is all well and good, except for maybe when you didn't do the crime, and then you're kind of screwed. Well, that's a good point. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Sorry. Should we keep watching to... the episode, do you think? No, I was just trying to pull up this Customize awesome Customize and save oh, Liberty they're giving Mutual. Me, they're giving me ads, Keith. Ah! He's this week's podcast brought to you by... Uh, uh, commercials so uh taco bell i guess 
Apparently. Miss Hodges, had you been armed with the DNA evidence that conclusively proved my client's innocence, would you have then granted him parole? No. No? If your client was still in prison, refusing to accept responsibility, DNA evidence or not, we'd have no choice. We would have denied him parole. Wow. I must say, I'm only here at the insistence of a charitable mayor. Against my better judgment, which is expensive, by the way, I'm putting $35,000 on the table. Conditions, of course, gonna, on confidentiality. Guys, I'm sorry. I really he just hit the wrong space bar. Well, Wyatt, the right space bar. I don't think you want the, the number thing. to reflect the merits of your case. Uh, guys, returning segment, a fan favorite. Mike was paying attention, but the cats tried to eat the trees, so he lost some important information. Now Keith's got to tell me. Um, wow, that was that one slapped a that, little bit. I, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> that might be the greatest moment of your podcasting history. <laughs> what? Um, what's uh, happening in this case? Okay, so and they set up a little bit in the last episode. Uh, so our our uh. Kyler's character is suing a town for their soccer program because of concussion, a concussion uh, that a kid got from heading the ball. Uh -huh. So they are in negotiations right now with the town, settlement negotiations with the town. Of course, uh, in a case like this, the, uh, the next step would to have a judge throw it out uh, and not give them standing to do the suit. So we're we're before the jury stage. We're just at the summary uh, or the uh, not the summary judgment. The, uh, uh, the the judges just might throw it out. So they are negotiating with that. That is happening. But and while we're while we're stopped, uh, who's John Wick? You know what? It's a really good question. Uh, this uh, <clears throat> lawyer they're going up against is played by Robert Curtis Brown. Who guess what? Might no. have been on the show before as Scott Simpson on death penalties. I'm going to toss it to Mike to sing our bumper. You're not supposed to know this, but you've been on the show before. But now you get all those residuals banging out your doors. Welcome back to the practice. You were afraid that I will recognize that you played some guy in season two and you had a disguise. At first you were a guy and then you were another guy. Then you got to die. Then you were another guy. Thought we died, but then you came back to life. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Yeah, yeah. Woo. Okay, well, Mike is rewriting lyrics on the fly like a champ today, so maybe we'll find some more opportunities. Because we all know what that number is. Well, if this is all about charity, why would the mayor want to keep it such a secret? Most politicians like photo ops with their acts of kindness. The secrecy is at my insistence. What would happen if every child who ever headed a soccer ball came calling to collect a check? I would think if the children had neurological deficits caused by town-sponsored programs, a town would consider compensating them. The 35000 is on the table today. It won't be should you lose at summary judgment. Now, I won't advise either of you how to practice law. You're both good attorneys. But I will say, come on, do the math. 35 is better than nothing. What are you thinking? Ms. Wyatt. We'll take the offer to our client, then let you know. She's freezing like they mentioned. First with my hand, then with the wrench. 
So this is the I confession tape. I don't know how tape, many times, but I couldn't stop myself. Which turned out to be false. Not till she was dead. I just couldn't stop myself. That was you, Mr. Nightler, saying that you did it. I'd been in that room all night. But were you tortured? Did any officer beat you or... It, it was mental torture. They kept me awake. And they said that they wouldn't let me out till I confessed. Finally, I... Uh, I gave in. Mr. Nyler, when you looked at that tape just now, can you make room for the possibility that a detective or a jury or a parole board might consider you guilty? They didn't see what went on before that. What did go on? They just it kept saying they knew I did it. After incredible that somebody would so, confess like that, but delirious. it literally happens. I just, it happens a lot. I was sleep deprived. I, I, I was mentally... At some point, I guess you'll say anything. I think that at least from my vantage point, I think that a lot of people at that, when they reach that sort of torture point, um, assume or just surmise that at some point you can explain to your lawyer or to a jury or to whatever, like why you were in that mental state, like that they will be on your side. And unfortunately that is so seldom the case. Yeah, well, and it's like you see it in the Brendan Dassey case, where he mm -hmm. was just like, I, I'm just going to tell them what they want to hear, so they leave me alone, which is what happened. Which is why torture is not effective. And it's I, funny you know, how, and like in a system that's supposed to be ground based on our rights, how much leeway they offer the investigators in that no, in that egregious. regard. Yeah. yeah, it's egregious to get them to stop. And I did. But the next day, I told him. It was a lie. I never did it. But they didn't want that statement. They wanted their conviction. They never looked for the truth. I lost my family. My son. 15 years of my life. Because they never looked for the truth. Have you ever seen a, a doctor for this? Yes, and he said it's all anxiety. He suggested I do breathing exercises. It's not like I black out, it's just... I can't talk. <laughs> Look, you said you wanted to talk about something. Yes, and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I just... Lindsay has been giving me little pep talks to bolster my confidence, and, um, well, she told me your story. My story? Yes. How, a few years ago, your nickname was Jimmy the Grunt, and nobody took you seriously. Lindsay shared that? Yes. <laughs> and, well, I, I mean, it was I, on I TV. I was looking for some insight, you know, on turning the corner. Well, with me, I just made up my mind I wasn't going to get knocked down. 
I was the first lawyer in my family. Well, this really powerful, hot, older judge started banging me, and that really I didn't did have wonders for my self-confidence. Mm -hmm. My father's a lawyer. I, I think it adds to the pressure. I remember the look on his face when I told him that I was going to law school. He didn't believe I was cut out for it. I, I, I think that it's partly why I freeze. Claire, maybe you should really try to settle. Wow, thanks. Nothing? Jim. Not a race disparity, even? For sentencing, yes, but not for wrongful convictions. We're coming up empty. There was one law review that figured 10,000 wrongful convictions a year, but there's no hard data on that. Bobby, may I ask, what are you going for? If you're planning to argue false convictions are common, that goes against your negligence claim. If you argue they're not common, that hurts you on foreseeability. What's your case? I'm not sure. You're not sure? Thanks for your help, guys. The truth is, Walsh is right. If anybody's to blame here, it's probably me. I poured through that trial transcript. You did nothing wrong. I should have suppressed that confession. You tried. It was voluntary. And why didn't I push for DNA testing? Bobby, 15 years ago, they weren't doing that. But 10 years ago, they were. Reality is... I'm an asshole. I never went back because I believed my client was guilty. I bought into that confession just like everybody else. Not a good thing to bring up in your closing. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's coming at you! 35,000. I mean, a couple of times much, we've gone back to these early cases. My son has learning disabilities. Attention deficits. The stumbling block is liability. Well, and it, you know, I think it's an interesting, you know, as much as we shit as we talk in recent episodes, it is interesting that we found, I think, a really unique exploration of Bobby's psyche, right? Where he's going back and recognizing where he was just, I don't want to say phoning it in, but, but, um, you know, we had, we asked the thesis question a few weeks ago. Is he doing everything he can for his client? And you know, now the now they're sort of exploring back in the past. Has he been, you know, has has he always done everything for the client, or has he just made assumptions and just given them a so-so defense, believing they were yeah. guilty? It's it is. You're right. It's it's complex and interesting. So, are, are you think maybe we're we're discovering how uh, he was made as a uh, trial attorney, perhaps? Whilst like also is, making the this new uh, trial, I don't even know her name, Keith. I can't tell you. I, you've said it seventeen times, and I still do not. Her know name the is new Kyler Lee. Is the name of the actress. Uh, and uh, but the know, attorney's name is can't is what the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the character's name is the character's name. You say the character's name is Claire Wyatt. Claire. So Kylie playing Claire. Kylie playing Claire, you know, and while we're at it, there's another actress in the scene 
Uh, and I'll do the who's that? Her name is Ellen Bry as Mary Boyd, the mother of the person suing. You know from Chicago Hope, Deep Impact, St. Elsewhere, and Amazing Spider-Man from 1978. And, uh, you know, uh, we have a bumper for returning characters, uh, but we don't actually have a a song introduction to, like, this is your first time on the practice. Uh, but luckily, Mike has one right here, and uh, let's hear it. Wow, I feel like we'd be playing that bumper all the time, though, right? That's your yeah, first we would, time on but... the practice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't wait to hear it, Mike. We have a very specialized bumper for when this actress comes on the show. But if she comes back, we won't play it again. We just play it for the first time, you know. Welcome. Thank you. Well, that's a great that the soccer ball caused the injuries. And the doctors think it's that. And I know conclusively as his mother. He never had any of these problems before the headaches after the soccer games. There's I mean, there was a few times his dad kicked him in the head, but that, you know, that's just that's circumstantial. Also, assumption of the risk issues. I never assumed any risk of neurological disability when I let him play soccer. Neither of us is suggesting that $35,000 will make... How prescient, Keith. They called the the uh, concussion issue in football before uh, we caught it. I mean, different football, but, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it, it is actually very prescient that, that CTE would become a much bigger factor in all things later. It's weird that it was about soccer because, like, yes, heading, there is some correlation there, but, like, Football, hockey, like there's a lot of other sports where there's a much bigger in you know incident of this. Hey, but hey, 2003. Guess what? By 2021, we figured it out, baby. We you solved it. Cold, but you're telling me to take it because we don't believe we'll prevail. I don't think we'll even survive summary judgment. Thirty-five won't do it, Mary. Thirty-five won't do it. No one ever takes the settlement. Because the episode would be over. When I tried this case 15 years ago, I was a young, idealistic lawyer. Bobby who loves to give a close where he says that it was my fault. The justice system was the mm -hmm. best in the world. We've heard it said so many times that we've almost come to believe it's perfect. Well, it certainly wasn't perfect for Lewis neither. It's halfway close. First to defend him, he got a kid. Fresh out of law school. Sure, I'll say it. I could have, perhaps should have, done a much better job. But the truth is, criminal defendants rarely get the pick of the litter. And I was a novice looking to pick up experience and rent money. Hmm. Imagine Been there, baby. being on trial for murder and having an inexperienced, if not inferior, attorney. Happens all the time in our great criminal justice system. One would hope, given that, that the state would take care to ensure fairness. One would hope. Look what the state did here first, the parole issue. Lewis Nyler, an innocent man, served an extra six years in prison for refusing to say he was guilty. Let me say that again. An innocent man served additional time for not admitting guilt. The perversity of that speaks for itself. The even bigger question, 
How did an innocent man end up in prison to begin with? We certainly know what happens. In the Central Park jogger case, Rampart, all the reversals from DNA, and the work of Project Innocence, we now know that people get falsely convicted a lot. I hope to present you with studies, but guess what? There aren't any. In fact, the United States Department of Justice doesn't even track statistics on how many people get falsely convicted every year. That's outrageous. Add to that, nobody is trying to remedy the problem. With all these overturned convictions and revelations of enormous error, not once has any court or jurisdiction gone back and tried to figure out how it happened. Uh, Your Honor, I'm sorry, but he's introducing evidence here. I'm going to allow it. In medicine, if a patient dies, immediately a morbidity and mortality commission is assembled to figure out how. If a building collapses, engineers and architects convene to ascertain the cause. But in criminal justice, with so many false convictions, we're doing nothing to either fix yeah. the problem or even probe the cause. Nothing. All right, Mr. Donnell, I think I will ask you to confine yourself to this case. This case is about governmental arrogance. Wow. An innocent man was thrown into an interrogation room and not let out until he signed a false confession 28 hours later. Despite the real killer confessing to the crime, Lewis Nyler continued to serve 15 years in prison. The last six simply for insisting on his innocence. He lost his family. A big part of his life. And the state offers no compensation. Nor has it so much as thrown together a panel to ask how it happened. That's arrogance. My fix? We need a jury to motivate the state to re-examine its procedures, not just for Lewis Nyler's sake, but for the next innocent man. And the next innocent man after that, and the one after that. We need a jury to motivate the state to make our criminal justice system every bit as good as it's cracked up to be. You know, 15 years later, I still consider myself an idealistic attorney. I guess in the spirit of that idealism, as well as in the spirit of simple fairness, I am hoping you're that jury. Yeah, I mean, I, I think his point about when there's something like this happens, that there isn't a commission, you know, like in, in medicine, you have the morbidity and mortality report and meetings that you have, like, all right, so somebody died, let's figure out how we fucked up. The fact that that doesn't exist in the legal system is egregious. Egregious. Uh, two points. One... It is a, a bit of a refreshing uh, week in that here's a case where we are absolutely right and we are fighting a legitimate injustice. And yep. so it's, 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 there's no moral complexity whether we're rooting for our side or like there's no ambiguity. Right. Or ambiguity. It's, it's, 
it's refreshing. I I appreciate about the show that we often deal with those complex issues and those those the, the gray areas. Totally, it's part of the reason I love the show. This is we needed a week where we can just like champion, and it's great for Bob because he's they're coupling that with an exploration of the way he's his his arc as a trial attorney and as a human. Uh, which I think Dylan delivered well in, in in an exceptionally long close. There, that might be one of the longest we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, additionally, I think it's uh, generally Jorge does this research, <laughs> but this is very the details of this case are very specific, and I I'm hard pressed to believe that they're not modeled almost directly off of a specific case or a number of cases. I mean, yeah. The fact that the 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 actual murderer confessed and they also have the DNA evidence to corroborate that confession and the fact that they denied his parole six years of a denied parole because he refused to to lie and say he did right. it even though it would be easier for him like that's all very specific and no well and, and I and I think uh there's an epidemic of situations like this like this I've heard of many cases like this in mm-hmm. real life you know and if we're gonna tie it back to a couple of weeks ago about the death penalty. This I think is the best argument against the death penalty because even in cases where you have a confession, the guy said, I did it. You still can't guarantee that that actually happened. And, and because that's all of that should be suspect. You can never be sure enough about somebody's well, guilt. You know, and also what we are sure about is the advancement in technologies and how oh but x amount of years ago dna evidence was barely able to be uh, used because it was so um untrusted or unrefined but then no almost no time later it's it's used so specifically like so it, within five years we might be able to have a new technology uh that's yeah. even that's even you know better than you know well, like right I'm, now you know. there are still some there are still like blood splatter is one of those sciences that is still can be uh, science ish sciencey things yeah where like each x each side has its own expert but who knows in a few years that might actually develop into a very specific test that you can run and know for sure so like you said you can't undead somebody and be like you know it turns out they didn't do it you at that point it's over so yep uh, yep yep and i'm yeah, and it's it's changed. I, I think because I'm pretty sure Amazon scanned my DNA three times while we were talking. Yeah, I know. I got an ad for as we're yeah as we're talking. I'm getting an ad for the the DVD box set of uh, the practice. Yeah, same. You think they still sell that? Very. How much do you think that costs? <laughs> I don't but, know. But uh, let's look at the merits of the case instead of the politics. First, the parole issue. A parole board exists not to determine innocence or guilt, but to determine whether a prisoner is fit for release. Each season on DVD is $10. The board assumes guilt. Occasionally, that results in an innocent man being required to acknowledge guilt for a crime that he didn't commit, and that is unfortunate, but what's the alternative? No such requirement? We're going to start paroling prisoners who don't express remorse? You really want that? He, he didn't do it. Remorse for the bigger for what? question, how did he end up in jail to begin with? A 
terrible, horrific result, no argument here, but whose fault, really? Louis Nyler's wrench was the murder weapon. Two witnesses described him, one even pulled him out of a lineup, and he confessed. Oh, Mr. Donnell, he left that out of his stirring speech. Louis Nyler confessed. And there was nothing illegal about that confession. It was constitutional, voluntary, valid. So, who do we blame? The witnesses who made a mistake? Good luck. No witness will ever come forward again for fear of being sued. The police or the prosecutors for relying on those witnesses as well as the other evidence, including a murder weapon and a confession. The parole board for believing in a prisoner's guilt post-conviction. Now, if you are desperate to find blame here, you might start with Mr. Nyler. Mm. He lied. That's a rough one. Maybe he was well, being vulnerable tortured. after a lengthy interrogation. I'll give you that. But let's face it, we might not be here if Louis Nyler had not signed that confession saying that he committed the crime. And as for why the state hasn't done a better job asking questions, analyzing mistakes, Mr. Donald certainly is idealistic. The reason that our criminal justice system is the best in the world is because it is so thoroughly adversarial. The check that we have against false convictions, the best check, the defense attorney. And I have to ask if the IDs of those witnesses were impeachable, if that confession was suspect, if that DNA existed for 15 years, where, I ask, was his lawyer? Now, if Mr. Donald, in all of his idealism, is suggesting that we do our jobs as well as his, well, there's burden, and then there's burden. The thing about Lander, he's a fair judge, smart. That was but he's an extremely epic scene. Like, yeah, that that ran almost twelve minutes. Yeah, and I loved it. Yeah, I love like, that. Like that, we ask for it all the time. We want more yeah. of that. Yeah, hundred percent. Active. Okay. His docket is also pretty congested, which means you can expect some intolerance. Why? You're suing a, a town for having a soccer program. Also. He has a bit of a reputation for beating up on the weak. And he doesn't much like women. Great. You need to stand your ground, <laughs> Great. Claire. Right. Okay. Would you like me to do this? Why do you ask that? Well, you... Look a little green. You seem uneasy. Claire... Please, please don't be offended by what I'm about to say. Some lawyers, though very capable, extremely intelligent, aren't quite equipped to be trial attorneys. It takes a certain stomach. I'm not saying that you, you lack 
the stomach. I'm, I'm just saying that, uh, that, that it's no stomach great shame. I feel quite perhaps. strongly I'm equipped. Okay. If, uh, if you need any more help, just, uh, just call me. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'll see you in there. Okay. vote of confidence but i guess when you want to win you... no word yeah not not exactly like not yet. pumping her up that's two long, jimmy though. did the same basically right they're yeah. like yeah you probably suck so you shouldn't do this you've been beating yourself up pretty good over this one i think it should be a law for any crime where the defendant faces prison for 10 years or more, the attorney should be required to have at least five years of experience. Problem is, most lawyers, once they get that much experience, tend to have paying clients. And the last thing they want are criminal cases. That's what makes our work so noble. Remember? Bobby. You're never going to believe he's here to see you. It's Smidjevich. Like, why isn't he in the credits? Could you get me off a jury? Come on, Lucy. <laughs> also, why does she not want to be on the jury? Like, this is her if field. If therapist sent you here, I'm not... That's not it. She's, apparently, then she what works 24-7, so... Look. Bobby... I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy getting the better of you. I do. But what I want to clear up, and you can dismiss this if Just you... say it, Ken. When those DNA results came back clearing your guy, it was devastating. Not because I lost a conviction, but because to think I played a part in someone doing time. No prosecutor sits well with it. And I bet, though it was news you were hoping to get, on some level, it was devastating for you, too. That it? I'll piss off, then. You know, Bobby... Why do you have to be an asshole? There's no reason to be an asshole there. He comes there, say we've got some common ground, and Bobby's like, fuck off. Oh. On some level, it was devastating I want to see it again. for you too. That it all he's all he's saying is that like both sides were probably feeling oh, pretty off, shitty man. when they found out that he was innocent. Yeah. I don't see why that's something Bobby should blow off. Imagine the floodgate of litigation. First, we're suing over soccer injuries. Tomorrow, football players will be lining up. After that, hockey, wrestling. Come yes, on. kind of, yes. Kids <laughs> sometimes get hurt playing sports. 
It's a fact. It's common sense. It's also common sense that a town can't have parents suing them every time there's an accident. I would add to that, Your Honor, that the plaintiff signed a waiver. Waiving oh, any well. and all negligence lawsuits <laughs> based upon a injuries waiver. from soccer. In short, and accordingly, this action should be dismissed immediately as a matter of law. Also as a matter of simple practicality, because this is just plain silly. Ms. Wyatt? Ms. Wyatt, he's gonna, he's do you gonna, have he's any response? You okay? <clears throat> oh, she's gonna nail it. She's gonna nail it. Of Your course she's gonna nail it. Timothy Boyd is a young boy who chose to play soccer in a program that... Town is full of young boys playing soccer council. They break legs, bump heads, get concussions. It's a contact sport, for God's sake. That's oh, hey. why they sign waivers. Yes, but we're not yes, talking about indeed, the hazardous game where accidents folks. can happen. Folks, Dakin Matthews is back as the judge that we set up as a very important judge. And we've seen Dakin Matthews as a very important judge. Don't tell me. It's not the same judge. Wait, he what? He was Judge Aldrich before today. He's Judge Lander. Uh, Mike, I think we need a jingle that explains why... Uh, you would name the judge something different for no particular reason. And it goes like this. Every once in a while, an actor enters the FBI protection program. But <laughs> they still need to pay their rent, so they just change the character name. Yes, thank you, thank you. I, I now I understand. Let's hear We're what she has to say. We're alleging that the game itself is inherently unsafe. That even when played correctly without mishap, it can still result in neurological injuries, as it did with Timothy Boyd. Come on, counsel. I got precedent staring me right in the face. Here. Oh, and he's got a goatee too. So that, that, that changes injuries everything. in a soccer game. Did you read these cases? I, I read the bumper that Honor, mentions that. And I don't interpret them to bar the type of lawsuit that we're bringing. You would. Is this character new to me? Oh, wait. Nope, nope. It's just his goatee. You'll agree soccer would be a hazardous recreational activity under the case law, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you, Ms. Wyatt? I'm, I'm sorry. Let um, me read some of the language for you, counsel. Soccer unquestionably is a hazardous activity within the meaning. But the of hazard they're talking about relates to body contact. So what? Look, we all know when kids play football or basketball or hockey, bones get broken. We can't have parents running into court to sue every time something like that happens. I totally agree. But this case isn't that. Soccer calls for heading. It encourages, promotes, and demands the very activity that's doing the damage. That makes this case different from anything anticipated by the case law or the Massachusetts Claims Torts Act. But even if you're right, counsel, 
You have assumption of the risk problems. Certainly your client knew that heading was part of the game. But he didn't know it was dangerous. The defendant didn't even know. How do you know what the defendant knew? Well, I'm assuming had they known the risk, they would have mandated helmets. Well, if they weren't aware of the risk, then how can they be negligent for failing to safeguard against it? Did you hear my question, counsel? I heard it. Why is he being such a douchebag? They, they prepped us The essence us for of it. our negligence claim is that the city failed to properly ascertain the degree of danger. Along with every municipality in the country, then. For that matter, the world. That may be true. But lawsuits, especially ones based on theories of negligence, are primarily about allocating burden. Who's better able to bear the burden of fixing the problem? That's the questions courts ask. Well, here, I, I ask you. Who's in a better position to detect whether soccer is an inherently unsafe sport? A municipality or an eight-year-old boy? Fine. Then, under your logic, if it were suddenly determined that running causes cancer, you could sue city field and track programs because yeah. the city is in a better position to make the discovery. No, that's not the same. Why not? Because the idea that running causes cancer, that's wildly unforeseeable. The notion that kids heading soccer balls can cause brain damage is not. Especially since we all know that young brains are not fully matured. Especially since doctors have been saying it. Especially since there are studies documenting it. And since it's a question of fact, I would also... All right, I've heard enough. With all due respect, Your Honor, I'm not quite finished. I said, I've heard enough, counsel. Defendant's motion to dismiss is denied. Trial date will be set the first week in March. Adjourn. She got the I won music. Sure had to work her ass off for it, too, though. He really said that, right? We won the motion. How many times are you going to ask me? Well, I just keep thinking it's a mistake or some well, at least once on joke. camera. I actually beat John Wicker in a summary judgment hearing. I, thank you, Lindsay. Keanu I killed his dog. I just sat there. But your being there by my side gave me some credibility, I know. Hopefully now I'll be able to settle. Listen, I know I said you could stay here a full three weeks, but I'd like to go back on my word a little and offer you a full-time job. And a place in the credits. <laughs> I'd also mm. like to retract my dad. That got foreshadowed a little bit by the credits. You're, you're offering me a job? Yes, you're equipped you'll be replacing there. Rebecca Washington. Yeah. You belong in that room. And yes, you are very attractive. All right, now. Mr. Foreman, go. has the jury reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. In the matter of Lewis Nyler versus the Commonwealth of Massachusetts at all, how find you? As to the claim of wrongful imprisonment, we the jury find for the plaintiff, Lewis Nyler. As to compensatory damages, we order the defendants to pay Lewis Nyler $400,000. As to punitive damages based on intentional or reckless false imprisonment, we ordered the defendants to pay Lewis Nyler nothing. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the court thanks you for your service. You are dismissed. We That's, are adjourned. Uh, let's do the math, Keith. 
15 years. Let's, you mm-hmm. know what, in fact, th- this episode brought to you by my Google Assistant. Hey, Google, what is 400,000 divided by 15? 400,000 divided by 15 is approximately 26,666.67. So, uh, while he was in prison, Keith, he will now have earned, oh, wait, hold on, wait, let's, let's do better math. Uh, let's see, what's a third, let's say a third of that is about $100,000-ish, so you were really dealing with $300,000. So really, you're talking, he was earning, uh, if he had been working all those years, Keith, he was in prison, he would have been earning $10,000 a year. Uh, no, Yeah, tw- well, 20000 uh, but yes. $20,000 a year, yeah. Yeah, $20,000 a year is the price for wrongful imprisonment. Ouch. Congratulations. It didn't exactly send a message. Before taxes. It was something. Listen, Lewis, uh, it needs to be said. No, it doesn't, Bobby. May I ask, why'd you even want me for this trial? It's not as if Project Innocence got you out. I was the one. Why? Dylan was really great. I knew you'd be motivated. Yeah. I'm sorry, Lewis. I wish I could give you back those years. Yeah. Thank you, Bobby. So was he. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just be a couple of minutes. Thank you. No problem. She's going to bask in her first win here. Yeah, she is. I'm glad they showed the restraint in not having her throw up. Yes, yes, classy, classy. Does She's render not the whole, gonna puke. It does render the whole plot point kind of silly, but... A little bit. I mean, it was silly whether she puked. Do you think it was going to get less silly if she did puke? No, 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 no. I mean, like, if you're not going to, like, make it a gag, then why? You could have made it any other number of things. She could have just had, like, an anxiety disorder or something. You know what I mean? We got two cases, two wins. So the only thing left to do is to jump back over to the YouTubes uh, or just keep listening to the podcast here uh, to hear Keith and I spill our guts as to what mm. we thought about this case. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's coming at you. We are back, baby. Yes, we are. We've watched The Practice Season 7, Episode 14, The Making. Of a trial attorney, uh, Mike. Why don't you make us a recap in mm, 
Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment! Segment! In one case, Bobby's gotta get to some guy who was in prison wrongfully paid out. In the other case, the puking lawyer who's now in the credits has got to get some money for a CTE guy from soccer. Both of those things happen. We win twice. We get some money and we make nice and we make that girl cry and now she's welcome to the practice and Mike still doesn't know her name. Yes. <laughs> All right. 30 second songs. I love it. Now let's do our first musical. Hi, Coopsie. Oh, shit. <laughs> conviction it's hard making someone pay I might oops wrong last one <laughs> I think I might Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, All yeah. right. Let's, let's just transition right into this. What do you say? That was awesome. Uh, Ladies and why don't, oh yeah, let's do this. Practice podcast <laughs> in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present Oopsie. Oopsie. Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode. Yo, Tom Brady keeps so. winning, Keith. Now, I here know, are your God. hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake award show, which begins with the magnificent singing of... Yeah, yeah. Sounds really good. Oh, God, uh, that was really uh, still troubling. <laughs> <laughs> still you know, troubling. The Out of Practice podcast after all is, these years. This is a tougher one because we won both of our cases, and I thought due to uh, actually really great lawyering, lawyering on both sides, um, uh, you know, Bobby had a 12-minute close there, and... I th- you know ho- however though I think Kylie uh playing K- Cassie neither one of those are right <laughs> oh for two <laughs> starts with the the plus of k feels right uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. so I think k has had uh a more legal argument whereas Bobby had a it was a great close but it was very full of um I th- okay, let me put it this way. I think that K had uh, more precedent to set and a more and a higher legal bar to argue against, even though she did it pretty quickly. And she had uh, some personal tra- 
I just want to give it to her. It's her first. It's her first trial, and and I, and she wins it. And uh, actually, hold on, she didn't really win, did she? She just got it past that initial kind of swing and into into trial. So she didn't really win anything yet. Whereas Bobby won a good sum of money for his lawyer. Now it didn't send the message they wanted to send, but it is a precedent, and it is. It, and he did. So I, unfortunately, I have to go back on my on my own word there and give it to Bobby. Wow, that was a journey that we just went on. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm going to give mine to Kababi because uh, <laughs> Kyler Lee as Claire Wyatt only won a Katri trial motion. Uh, Claire, although Claire. impressive and important, uh, I think that just the case is more important. Uh, How am I going to remember Claire? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is going to be a journey for us all. Uh, but yeah, no, for me, it's Bobby. I think he did an excellent job uh, remedying or not remedying, uh, trying to make make up a little bit a uh, incredible mistrial of justice that uh, he participated in for back in the day. Uh, all right. Well, I think it's time for us to move forward and give out some more awards with our danciest segment. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a page. Oh, yeah. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode that just looks like two grown men feverishly masturbating most of what we do does look like that (laughs) that's true i just censored what the next thing i was gonna say and thankfully i didn't say it just imagine mvl let's give out some awards Nope, best guest actor. We are best guest actor. Keith and I have each devoted this about is a calamity. Six, six uh, uh, what he's called neurons to uh, what we're trying Should to do. Should right have now. eaten more things before <laughs> we recorded. Um, uh, I think it's a, this is a no brainer. Thank God because I don't have a brain. Um, our uh, Keith, go ahead and say his name because Mike is, doesn't even have the call sheet up right now. I think you're looking for Carlton Wilborn. Carlton Wilborn, uh, the right mix of indignation, of uh, resignation, of resignation, just an incredibly grounded yet profound performance. And I thought the best beat for me actually was that beat at the end with Bobby because he shows a grace that he absolutely does not have to show, especially in the face of, he didn't really win that much money. I mean, I really thought you could, their compensatory damages could have easily, or punitive damages could have easily been in the multi, multi multi-millions, hundreds of millions. For sure, and should have been, frankly. So uh, uh, that's also the writing, but the performance of that, that grace was, I think, really powerful and moving and uh, really wrapped up a really pretty cool episode in where um, not only is it about the, the issue, it's an issue episode, but it's, also a, a, a complete arc for Bobby, emotional arc for Bobby in this episode, and we'll talk about later. So I thought that uh, it's a pretty pretty easy uh, best guest actor this week, and, and I can't wait to tag him on Instagram because it's a, really an excellent performance. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think it is Carlton Wilborn. I, I will give a, a shout out to Dennis Arndt, who I thought did an excellent job um, in his clothes, 
even though we were not on his team, he gave an, an excellent close and a great performance there. Uh, but yeah, congratulations to Carlton Wilborn with your best guest actor. Now it's going to be an interesting one. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. So for the first week, we have a new candidate, Kyler and Lee, or, uh, you know, Calamity, Calamity Calumet, or whatever it is uh, that you came up with her name, uh, is for the first time eligible for a Best Actor Oopsie. Mike, who are you going to give it to? So I thought that Kylie, Kyler um, was excellent this episode and was able to sort of uh, surmount the weird quirk they gave her as a character, some, mm-hmm. much like Draws was not able to do in the WWE. He could not uh, rise above that puke character. Um, I think well, that... to be fair, he might have had a... He, he might have had a shot without like the horrible accident that happened. Yeah, I was trying not to really like go down that uh, route, but there we are. Uh, anyhow, uh, so- <laughs> speaking of traumatic uh, brain injury... Um, oh. So anyway, I thought she was she did a great job. I just um, if I'm going by my gut here, which is all we have, I still think Dylan McDermott gave gave a better gave a more impactful performance for me. I loved her final beat that that moment mm-hmm. for her in the courtroom where she's taking it all in. Really love it. Yeah. And I I suspect hopefully assuming they give her material that she will have another shot at it. But for me, Dylan really. Despite and we said this before, so I'll keep it brief. Despite the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys they give him, they give Bobby as a character. Dylan always finds a way to find one episode here and there to really hook in and give me the Bobby that uh, I really love. It's three dimensional. Even though he wins kind of across the board here, he he, you see the journey, his emotional journey with like reckoning with young Bobby, and. It doesn't mean that he's evolved to the point where he's like, uh, you know, uh, reached nirvana. I mean, he's still a d a d bag to Schmitchevich when he comes in, and he's not one hundred percent, you know, uh, uh, enlightened. But he is moving forward, and I, I really enjoyed everything he does and his clothes. Even that that monologue in the courtroom is just an epic Dylan McDermott piece. And uh, I really think Dylan uh, won that won it for me this week. Not not to let not not that Kyler wasn't excellent. She was, and I hopefully maybe you'll make her an argument. But uh, Dylan's going to get my vote. No, I, I I agree with you. I think Kyler did did a really good job. I think she's um, you know suffers, and I'll get into this in some of the tires. But I I think the character is suffering from sort of repeated beats. And a little bit of just sort of like, yeah, we already did all of this like a bunch of different times. Um, so she's doing an excellent job. It's just that like, as an audience, I've tired of these same three beats with these with these new characters. But I thought uh, Dylan gave a very, uh, a very restrained performance. It's not it's not Bobby at eleven. This is a a little bit more restrained. Perhaps Bobby has been in therapy while he's been he because you know again he was forced to take I think two or three months off from litigating, um, and we've we're seeing perhaps a little bit more grounded Bobby here, and uh, it's much appreciated. And so you know you get an oopsie. 
Congratulations, Dylan, on your best actor. Oopsie, coming up. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Tom Brady standing in front of a jury, puking all over them. Ha! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems right. I like that. I like that. Very good. So congratulations, Tom Brady puking on a jury. Tom Brady uh, for your Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. All right, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Last week was rough, y'all. Uh, and mm. we we let that be known. We let our feelings be known. This week, I feel uh, I feel happy because it the show delivered all the things Keith and I say we want. We want more litigating. We want more strateg- strategies. We want grounded performances. We don't need Bobby McRambo, and we got that. And we got all that on top of uh, a great debut for a new character. Uh, Well-acted, a great scene. Now, I will agree, I, I did feel that the A case was really the meat of the episode. I, I, I feel like while we got... A cool, some cool arguments in the B case. None of it felt particularly like they really could have gone. They could have, you could devote a whole episode, a main story to this issue, but it, it's a little before its time. And I and I think it was written as a vehicle to introduce the character and to have her overcome something rather than make it about the case, right? Whereas the A case was able to thread the needle and do both things. I think we we discuss just an outrageous injustice in our country, uh, an issue at large, um, and also have it be a bit of a journey for not just Bobby, but for uh, the Schmitzvich character, the DA character, and uh, the 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 uh, victim. Let's just call it like it is the victim of the injustice here, and and couple that with a realistic outcome and really grounded solid performances uh something really hard to 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 play non-cheesy is contrition and i feel like you 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 got that from bobby mixed with an empathy and i think they juxtapose that with the court and the the court in representing the justice system with such a matter of fact indignance yeah, a that, lack of empathy. Yes, was stark and in no way felt hyperbolic than to what it is, even though it seems so. It seems like that can't be real. And here's the thing. Every one of us watching knows that it is. And, yeah. and you know, though they won, let's be honest, that, that $400,000 is a pittance once you pay yeah. legal fees and whatever outstanding debts he has from those 15 years. It's it's a slap in the face, but it's a realistic slap in the face on top of so many slaps in the face. Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't think that the B case was egregious. I didn't think it was necessary. I think they probably could have written this as a full-length a case, but I'm not going to ding it too much for that because I do feel like it was well performed, and I think that it's uh, uh, Kyler is a great addition to the cast playing Claire. Well um, done, sir. So I, you know, what you ask, I asked, I received. I, I can't be that. I can't be hypercritical. Um, I do think it's kind of you know, like you said, we did retread some stuff, and then of course we had two scenes where 
two separate characters basically tell tell Claire she shouldn't do you want to quit <laughs> which seems very out of character for our show like where's Rebecca where's the Rebecca character telling her no you got this girl right I miss that so it's a little bit of ding so I can't give it into the stratosphere of the nines but I'm going to give it a solid 8.77 spare tires okay 8.77 yeah I mean I think <sighs> I don't think I liked it as much as you did I okay. the Bobby's case, I really liked. I feel very torn about this episode because half of the episode I liked a great deal. Um, you know, for all the reasons we talked about, you know, Bobby's case, you know, highlighting a realistic injustice here, having it well articulated, you know, really highlighting the the lack of empathy from the prosecution side. And and this is a real thing. We see this over and over and over again in, in documentaries and real cases where even when they're very clearly proven to have fucked up and have screwed somebody over, there is a, a defensive lack of empathy and a defensive lack of attachment to their mistakes uh, that you see. And I... I I'm glad to see that highlighted. I'm glad to see the um, injustice of having to uh, accept responsibility for what you did as a precondition of being paroled, which uh, I understand the reasoning behind it if you are guilty, but if you're not, you really set up for injustice. And, and as our legal system is supposed to be erring on the side of the innocent, this feels like a mistake in how that is structured. I understand why it's there, but if we are, if we're always going to err on the side of the innocent, that should continue beyond conviction because we know that plenty of innocent people are convicted. So that should, you know, there, there is a, a shift in the way our legal system treats people because you're innocent until proven guilty until convicted then you are guilty until proven innocent and i think that that is not necessarily the right way to handle that um you know that's a good way to handle it in a perfect system but we do not have a perfect system and so i think that that uh erring on the side of innocence should continue post conviction um so all of that i loved i loved all of that um the you know the other story i like delving into concussions that feels very ahead of its time i think that feels very uh relevant and we're we're dealing with that on the regular basis today and i'm glad that we are so i, I like all of this i like kyler lee she's a good actress um but but i don't understand why she's here and this has <laughs> nothing to do with with Kyler the 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 actress or the performance or the execution of it I don't know why she's here right because it's the same character at this point we haven't distinguished Jamie as a separate character it's the same person like you're just like uh let's just add another hot young lawyer who like comes in as the underdog but is secretly okay like she's got a quirk and she's the underdog, but guess what? She's going to, when the moment comes, she's going to be really good. And then we're, you know, we're going to be mean to her. And then we're going to accept her at the end because she proved herself. It's the same beat. It's the same character. It, you know, at this point in the series, what are the differences between Jamie and Claire? A blonde and brunette. 
And you almost have to wonder, like, behind the scenes, is there, like, a scheduling thing taking place? Like, we're not seeing Lisa Gay at all. Jamie's, like, kind of just, like, in some scenes here and there. Like, maybe there's some shit going on behind the scenes, and they're trying to hedge their bets. I, I feel... Well, I mean, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that I don't want to talk about yet. Yeah, I don't want to research of him. of spoiler. Yeah, do do not research it. But I, you know, I think there's pressure from the network, uh, read the ratings, um, and that kind of stuff. And it feels a little desperate because the show up to this point has been phenomenal actors who, yes, they're attractive, but they're young and attractive, and that it's TV. Like that's how that how that works. But we're we're leaning on the the great writing and the great storytelling and the great actors. And it's not so much about that. This feels a little desperate. It feels a little bit like, let's just keep throwing hot young actresses at the screen and maybe that'll get our ratings up. And I, I don't like it. I don't like it for a lot of different reasons. And again, now, do, you, do you give it any, do you give it any credit? I'm just curious as a writer that they call that out. Like they have Lindsay say it. She, I mean, a little bit, but you're still doing it, right? Yeah. It's like, Mike, I'm going to punch you in the face, and I know that I shouldn't do it, but boom! You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> thank you for acknowledging that you shouldn't be doing it, but, like, maybe don't do it. And so I, I just... If the character were different in some way, like, come in with a different point of view. Come in, don't just repeat all the Jamie beats again. We just did that. And I'm, mm -hmm. and you know, again, love the actress. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why Jamie's there. I don't know. I don't know what the point yeah, of that is. She's not even doing is. anything anymore. She's not really doing anything. And you're just, we, we've done, you know, the, the cute, young, inexperienced lawyer comes in. And, you know, if you're going to make a, a story about mentoring, you're going to make a story about, because, you know, that was Lindsay when we first met her. That was Rebecca when she got her license. That was like, we, we did all of these beats before. Okay. So if you want to do a story about Lindsay becoming a mentor, showing all that she learned, like I was you seven years ago and here, let me guide you. Let me, let's learn from the mistakes I made. No, we're not doing any of that. We're doing like cupy doopy. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna win. I'm quirky, and then oh wait, I am gonna win. Yay, yay! It's just we've done this. Why are we doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you know, and and you know, I liked it more the first time we did it. It's the same thing, and it's just I don't know. So that's more about the meta story going on here than about this particular episode. So uh, I'm gonna give it. Uh, for the Bobby part, for that for that storyline, I'm going to give it an eight point two seven. Okay. Uh, but uh, the the bigger picture meta stuff, like I'm on to you, and I'm not sure I like it. So uh, there you are. Let's do our Easter egg, and then uh, move on with our day, shall we? Well, Keith, I think that if I'm not mistaken, uh, this one's pretty self uh, explanatory. Yeah. I'm. Uh... I'm getting, if you wanted to know why I'm so brain dead most of the time, this is why yeah. I keep, uh, there you can't it is. always see it, but I'm just heading the ball all the time. Yeah. Well, folks, if you enjoy watching Mike Gets CTE, you can find us on wow. the social media. <laughs> Nobody listens at this point. Yeah. You can find us at Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. 
While you're at it, leave us a rating and review on your podcasting service of choice. We will read it. We'll be grateful. We will welcome you gratefully into the jury. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Other people we are grateful for include Scott Moffat with his amazing remixes today. But our founding sponsors, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Hey, I know that you are impressed by some of our amazing listeners and community doing segments, sending in bumpers, all those things. You don't have to be a creative to join the team. You can just listen and subscribe, or you can give us money. You can become one of our sponsors. Even though there's only one season left, we could really use it. Uh, One-time donation, (laughs) monthly contribution. Links in the show notes, as they always are. Oh, hey, we've got another show on the channel. Like and subscribe. Check that one out. Hey, do you feel like listening to this show is just you banging your head against the wall constantly until you have a Mm. gaping wound in your head? Well... Let, help us cauterize that wound with some laser sounds. <laughs> laser sounds. He's you know gonna, what? Someday he's coming at you. He's got We need a puke. remix he's of all of them. Puke. He's got a oh, uh, uh, 